Welcome. You're listening to the Think Like an Entrepreneur podcast because it turns out there's no such thing as a struggling entrepreneur. There are only business owners still operating from an employee mindset. I'm your host, business coach Katherine Morrison. Now let's dig in. Hello, everybody. If you are on Instagram, you already know what's happening. But so basically, this past week with the launch, I was like, oh my goodness did not plan a podcast for this coming Tuesday. And then one of the thoughts I had was like, oh, you guys have not met my husband and wouldn't that be fun? So if you are on my stories, you know, a bunch of you guys uh, popped in some questions. So today is an Ask Me Anything with my husband, Dan Tao. Say hi, Dan. Hi. (laughs) But so basically, we just already recorded the episode. And then at the end, he was like, oh my gosh, that was like an hour and a half long. So we ended up talking a lot in the beginning about just our relationship and stories about living in Africa and San Francisco and all kinds of things that are not relevant to the questions you asked. And so we decided rather than edit it out, what we're going to do is we're going to start the episode now with the questions you guys asked on Instagram. And then if you want to stick around at the end, then you can totally just listen for like, I don't even know, probably like 30 minutes about us just telling random stories about our relationship. And if not, you can just pause at the end of the questions and go on about your day. So without further ado, here is the Ask Me Anything with Dan Tao, Catherine's husband. So getting into the questions that came in from the gram is, it's, it's funny actually, because there were like a lot of questions, but some of them had sort of like similar, they were basically like similar. And so one person asked like, you know, how did you take the news of me going and deciding to be full-time as an entrepreneur? And another one was, what did you think about me starting a business? So that mm. same flavor of question. How did I take the news? Well, I don't remember, I don't really remember there being a day. I think you decided you were gonna start your own business, but um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really remember there being news. <laughs> I, I remember it more as a gradual transition. Yeah. Um, like, I, you know, I'll tell you what I do remember is we both together went to this IPEC, yeah. uh, training or whatever you want to call it this this uh this weekend where people starting in this ipec program were allowed to sort of take a plus one basically yeah i think it's like a market so what he's talking about is like it was the training school that i went through as a coach and i think it's like a marketing thing where they let you bring another person to experience the first weekend and since dan was he manages a lot of people i thought like oh you know like come and and experience with me and you came Mm -hmm. to the first weekend with me yeah so so i don't remember kind of on a scale from one to ten how serious you were about it at that time i want to say it was maybe more in the realm of like a five like you were very interested but it was still not a certainty yeah um but I remember that, and then it's kind of a blur. I mean, I, I think it. I think you moved into it pretty seriously, pretty quickly from there. But yeah, so I can't really answer the question of how I took the news because, yeah. it, because like I said, it sort of felt like a, a slow, not slow, but a, a gradual, like I said, progression. Yeah. Um, but what did you like? What What did you think when I was first starting? Like, how did I view your business? Um, 
I think, I mean, I think, so I think there's two things. I think firstly, I just wanted to be supportive. Like, like I wanted to sort of not, I think I struggled to, um, I certainly didn't want to give you a hard time. You know, like if you ever, if ever things weren't going the way you wanted to or something, I sort of wanted to be the, you know, partner who's there to sort of be like, it's okay, you know, like keep, keep trying. But, but one thing I've never really been in our relationship and I think there's a bit of a balance there is I wasn't sure if there were ever times that I should have been like pushing you, you know, because I, I just, I would, I would have been concerned that that would have made it seem like I wasn't supporting you. Right. Hmm. Um, Oh, so I'm curious, like, so in the, in the beginning, like, was there a time when I was upset or like, is there like a memory that you have? Yeah, well, I don't. It's I don't really have super specific memories, to be honest. I sort of do have memories of it being a bit of a struggle earlier on. Um, you know, where you like, for example, you'd go to networking events, and it was sort of like, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna sort of like get my name out there. I'm gonna try to meet people, and I think sometimes maybe they went okay, where you felt like you yeah. made some good connections, but sometimes they sort of yielded nothing. Yeah, many and, times. Yeah, and you would, <laughs> you know, you'd seem a little, a little upset. But I think, um, like I said, I just, I just always wanted to sort of be, almost like you know, be figuratively speaking, like a shoulder to cry on, not like a, not like a coach to you or somebody to sort of help you like I I don't think I ever really gave you any advice or anything right not that I really had much advice to give but I never I never tried to really help you yeah I just tried to sort of be there for you um that's how I viewed it as far as I'll think the I think the other thing I'll say is it took a while for me to really grasp that this was going to like last Mm. and I don't mean I don't mean because I thought that you didn't have what it took but you are someone who has gone through many phases in our relationship um like just for example there was like a scrapbooking phase you know where you got really (laughs) into that interior design there was yeah there was an interior design phase there was a makeup phase where you would watch YouTube videos about putting on makeup (laughs) just constantly you know Day in, day out, you were a member of an online I'm, community. I'm really good. <laughs> if anyone needs their wedding done, yeah, you're great. Give with me makeup. a call. But it was like your obsession for a while. Yeah, you know, I um, just love mastering something. Yeah, so I think I think my point is that maybe in the beginning, I viewed your coaching, you know, your pursuit of coaching as maybe kind of like those other things. Yeah, like you were gonna get into it really hard for a while. You were maybe going to get pretty good at it, but then um, you just sort of would lose interest and move on to something else. Yeah. Is there a point when you were like, oh, wait, like this is a serious thing or like this is here to stay? No, not a discreet point. I think it's, you know, it's just a a gradation. Um, I mean, to be honest, I've said to you before, like, I'm still not sure it's going to stick around forever. 
you know, because you might, it might, it certainly seems to have a much deeper um, hold on you. I mean, I think you get a great deal of satisfaction out of it. And those other things didn't really involve helping people. Yeah. Or they did, but only sort of incidentally, like with makeup, like you'd really enjoy helping some of your friends with makeup if they had a special night or something like that, for example. But that's not like the day in day out of of watching youtube videos about putting on makeup right whereas coaching i think it seems to really inspire you you know you're 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 never happier than like after a call with a client where you feel like you've really helped them make a breakthrough yeah you're you're you know just ecstatic when that happens so yeah i think i probably was probably the main thing that has that has caused your coaching business to stand out from those other things is the fact that you have clients that are actually, you know, it's a relationship with these people and they're, and you're helping them, you know, and seeing that makes it pretty clear that it's not, it's not like the scrapbooking, you know, it's not like the interior design. Um, it's definitely something else, but like I said, I mean, it, it, that doesn't mean, I, I certainly wonder, you know, 10 years from now, will you be doing this or will you sort of have reached some level that you feel like is like sort of maxing out at the value you can provide in this way and you'll, you'll seek something else. We'll see. You better work with me while you can, guys. <laughs> That's right. Dan's prediction. <laughs> I mean, your prices can only keep going up for so long, right? Eventually, you're charging a billion dollars. I'll be coaching Jeff here. Bezos. Yeah. And I you're just love like, it. Well, nowhere to go from here. I'm trying to think, yeah, like about the beginning of my business, because for sure, and I'm so glad that you actually mentioned it, because I went, I think I like, I went hard. I think I was at like networking t- like events like a few times a week. I was in all kinds of Facebook groups. I was like doing everything I could possibly do. I even remember. There was a time when our baby was, I don't know, not even two months old. And I went, I drove, we live in Austin and I drove three hours to Dallas for an overnight. Like I left overnight. And I just remember having to like bring my breast pump and everything um, because a contact here in Austin had given me an opportunity to go to um, a Rachel Hollis event. And then I got hooked up with the a planner for an event at the night before the event there and i was like oh can i provide like this thing in the in the swag bags and i gave out there were like must have been over a hundred like things for like a free coaching call with me mm-hmm. and no one ever took me up on it yeah and so i think it's so important to share stories like this because this is like less than two years later like looking at like ending the year at probably over three hundred thousand dollars And I'm so grateful for past Catherine for continuing to do (laughs) and continuing to show up for herself, knowing that like she was going to figure it out and grateful for you for having been there with me, like through it all. I think you learned a lot of that from your sales background, right? Where you're, and, and this, what's interesting about it is I feel like you're someone who, if it weren't for that, sort of training that like real life training from having to do sales i actually think you're sort of inherently not someone who deals with rejection very well no who is that's true that's true yeah but um but i mean you know 
you can actually be like a little bit spiteful sometimes. <laughs> so um, I think going through the, uh, or I should say in the past you had been that way. But with, uh, with going through the sales experience, you know, you worked in sales uh, at a newspaper and then in tech and you had to learn like, there's going to be so many people who say no. And if I let that get to me, then I'm just going to be stuck. So I just have to kind of power through it and like not let it get to me and go to the next person because I realize there are a lot of people who say yes. Um, so I think those early days in your business were probably a bit, you had a little bit more practice dealing with that. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's like every person is gonna have different assets, different character traits, different skills that they bring to a business when they first start. But it's interesting because I think for as much know-how as I had, and I think this is part of like my hero's journey now, now but like I'd close like million dollar deals like in my sales career. But I think because, and I'm not saying that like I never had my head in the game there, but I think because I was representing someone else's business, it was a, like a degree removed. And then I just remember like coming into my coaching business when I first, when I signed my first client, I remember I had like a package that I had set and he was like, well, I, I don't know about that. Like, could we maybe just do this other thing? And I was like, yes, yes, we'll just do that. <laughs> Here I was, this like woman who like used to fly on airplanes to meet with like executives to like close these big deals, and I was like shivering in my boots. Yeah, yeah. It was $150 a session, my first client, once a month for six months. It's much more vulnerable, right? Yeah, and I think, well, I think it was like I had to go through the process of like I was making it mean something about me and my worthiness. And I think I also had so much tied up in it because I had been so successful in business that like if I didn't immediately come out of the gate and make this thing work, that I would make it mean something terrible about me, right? It was almost like, I had an identity that like I was really good at business. I had an identity that I was a really great writer. I had an identity that um, I was really smart. And so I almost didn't want to get started because I didn't have the mindset tools at that time. Well, I mean, let's be real. I'd gone through training, but like I didn't have the mastery of the tools, right? I hadn't used them on myself over and over and over again to really get to the point where I could challenge that identity and not make it mean anything about me as a human because let's be real that was like all my ego like i just didn't want my ego to be challenged of like this this thing because i hadn't learned to actually just believe in myself no matter what mm -hmm. anyway so yeah that was i guess me when i first started the business do you think there was an element too of of worrying about what people would think like yeah people you, you worked with you obviously haven't listened to any of my podcast episodes <laughs> but you know what everyone else here has so I talk a lot about that okay yeah I spent a lot of time worrying about what other people thought it was like one of my greatest fixations <laughs> yeah so I had to get over it anyway I think the next question was any advice for helping someone get their partner or spouse on board? Mm. And I have thoughts about this. Well, maybe you should give the advice because you're the one who had to get your partner on board, right? Well, it's funny because I don't think I had to get you on board. That's true. But like, I but guess- I'm also the guy who agreed to go to Namibia sort of with no stipulations. It's true. For a year. 
I guess like what I would say to that is that like your partner or spouse doesn't have to be on board. And I think that like if you are starting a business right now, you, like you have to get super comfortable having your own back 100% and like your partner doesn't have to be on board, your spouse doesn't have to be on board, like your mom and dad don't have to be on board. Like I think my dad now is like pretty interested in what I'm doing because he sees I'm like really successful. But I'm not going to lie. When I first started, I remember going home. And when I first started the business too, I was like, I was so willing. This is one thing I'll say. Like, even though I'd like had this like fancy six-figure job, I was not entitled. When people wanted to sign with me, I was like, what time? Yes, 10 o'clock. I will coach you at 9 p.m. I'll end my day at 10. It's fine. And I just remember going home and coaching. I think we were back in Philly then, so it was even an hour later. So I, I don't even know if I was like done at 11 or something. And I just remember my dad was just like, so you like talk to people about their they're like feelings. Like, what do you like? What is it? Like, what is this? And his general sentiment was like, this sounds stupid. (laughs) And he'd been like very successful in business, but I think it had just been through like brute force. (laughs) And so I don't know. I think I would just say that like, if you're trying to get your partner or spouse on board, it shows some area of you not totally validating yourself. And if you were totally on board with it, like it really wouldn't be a problem. And I'm not saying that like, yeah, I mean, I think you, you just gotta, gotta start where you are and like keep going. And I think like another good example is like for as, I think as supportive as you are, I'm now looking at my husband as I'm saying this, I, I think there's like certain things like, like, Generally, if anyone knows like the love languages, I'm like a words of affirmation person and like my husband's not like he has never been. And so, yeah, I would I would like love it. I would love for him to like shower me with praise like all day, every day. But like that's just not his that's not who he is naturally. And I think that I used to because I didn't have a good relationship with myself like that was a problem. And I think since me learning to have my own back and learning for me to like totally validate myself, it requires much less. Like I'm not looking for him to give me words of affirmation because I feel shitty about myself, right? Like I feel pretty good about myself. And if he gives me words of affirmation, that's just like the icing on the cake. But yeah, I mean like guys, he doesn't, this dude doesn't even listen to my podcast episodes. It's fine. (laughs) I listen to some of them. I edit them. (laughs) Anyway, so let's move in. So there was like another flavor of question. This is from my client, Sam, and I think it's hilarious. So verbatim, she said, has Catherine changed since becoming a badass boss bitch? Mm-hmm. Which is funny because she's going to end the year at multiple six figures. So she would also, I would say she's a badass boss bitch too. But that's a close ended question. And my client, Safina, actually asked a very similar one, which was basically like, what change have you seen in me as I've grown? Oh, I mean, it's pretty huge, I would say. I think it probably has a lot to do with what you just said about having your own back. And I know you do a lot of self-coaching. I think, you know, you sort of drinking the Kool-Aid of, hey, this coaching thing is like legit and gets results. Um, It just means that 
you do you you go through all these exercises with yourself that I think are really beneficial for you and you know whether it's whether it's self-coaching or doing mind work as you call it um but no I mean I think our relationship honestly just there was a lot more friction I think before and a lot of it came from you know we've talked about this I I I think in some ways, um, this is probably oversimplifying, but there were just a lot of periods in our relationship where it was sort of like anything that went wrong was my fault, right? And And I almost just came to kind of expect it. You know, it was like if something went wrong, I just was sort of braced for the Catherine rage because it was like, it's not anything I did, but it's just like I didn't prevent it from happening, you know, or like I didn't do something that arguably I could have done and then this thing wouldn't have gone wrong. But with anything, you know, it's always like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even attempt to bring up like, well, you could have also done something differently and then that this wouldn't have happened, right? Because then I would just have to face the wrath of a, of an angry wife, but um so it wasn't like I don't want to make it sound like it was debilitating, you know, but it just it just was like a common theme. Like you you would get mad at me a lot. I would almost yeah. never get mad at you. I right? was mad a lot. You would get mad at me quite a lot and um normally it was just the sort of thing that would like last a day or two and then and then there'd be some sort of apology or just conversation where we, you know, where we kind of like relieve the tension and and things would sort of gradually ease back to normal some some things would take a lot longer to go back to normal than others um but it really feels like that's largely a thing of the past i think yeah like how so how am i different now in our marriage um well i mean i think i think for one you you definitely take a lot more responsibility like Sometimes if something doesn't go well, for example, you will say like, oh, I really, you know, I didn't do this. I could have done this. Or, you know, if it's something, um, if it's something where like both of us forgot to do something, you will, you will phrase it as like, we both forgot to do something as opposed to Dan forgot to do this thing. Right. This thing that was like never explicitly assigned to him. (laughs) Um, and, um, and I think, I just think. I find you to be a lot more forgiving, um, a lot more understanding, a lot more empathetic in general. Um, I mean, I think sometimes, sometimes I wonder if I'm getting off too easy because sometimes I almost think like maybe, maybe I am a little bit at fault here, but you're just so much, you know, you're so not inclined to blame anymore, I find, that... Um, it's very rare. And I mean, none of us is perfect, right? I'm sure there's times that, that you still get a little angry or I get a little irritated about things just like anybody, but it's really night and day. I mean, we have not, we have not had like any huge fights that result in, you know, days of not being comfortable with each other or anything like that. So I mean, I, I, that's kind of like a negative thing to, to cast a light on. But I would say that is kind of the biggest difference is that you, I would say to put it simply, you had a lot of anger before. Yeah. And it really seems to 
largely be gone. I mean, gone as in like everybody experiences anger, right? Like there, it still exists in our lives, but it's not, it's not this massive presence I find yeah. in our lives anymore. I think that it was like, I was so, I like spent so much time in a job that I didn't want to be in. And I think I felt like, I felt like a victim, right? Like I have to be here because I have to like save her kids to go to college. Like I have to, like there, I lived by like, I have to, and I should. And I think that I didn't know how to take responsibility. I love that. Like you just like literally you describing, like I used to blame everything and now I take responsibility. I don't even know if you know this, but that is like basically one of the foundational things about coaching. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, me learning that skill set of like finding every area where I could be responsible, like not just for creating the business. And I actually think it's really good because I think that this person wasn't asking about our marriage, but I'm almost glad that like we've we've like gone that direction because I think it's like as you begin to be coached and you begin to change your brain foundationally, fundamentally, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so I think about like the anger and the resentment that I used to have at my managers. And I think about the anger and the resentment that I used to have at you. And I think about, that was all just me. I was angry and resentful at myself for not taking responsibility and for creating the life that I wanted to be living. And so I think since like, really untethering myself from all of that gunk it's like i feel so unbound like so much more free and yeah i think that like that's not like that yes that's what's created this business but i think it has also what has like created this like really fundamental change in our marriage yeah yeah what about i don't know are there any other changes you've seen in me as i've grown the business yeah other maybe more surface level ones like uh (laughs) You're, you're much less interested in the news, I find, than you used to be. Like, you used to be really, you know, just kind of up with current events. Like, you were really in... It was a big part of, you know, your day. Um, might have something to do with the fact you worked at the newspaper. But, yeah, now I'll, you know, I'll bring up a... I'll be like, like you heard about this? And I'll just mention a thing that I saw headlines for. And you'll be like, nope, haven't heard about that. <laughs> So that's definitely a difference. Um, One of the jokes that I like tell Dan is like, you know how you say like if a tree falls in the forest, but I think like it is true. I am so careful with what I put into my brain. And so I think even when the pandemic started, like I would go onto the news site, like maybe once every few days to like just check the headlines. And it was basically just like, how does it serve me? And so we we made we even made financial decisions, right? About like what we wanted to do financially. Do we want to move some money around? Do we want to do something like to protect our assets? But if it wasn't like, I, I just found there were a lot of people that were just like kind of fixated for like, well, I don't know, what's the count here? What's the count there? And if you think about your mind having, right? Like your mind doesn't have like infinite space. And so thinking about what you're willing to put into it, And whether that's the news, whether it's listening to like, and here's the thing, right? Like if you're consuming my podcast and like 20 other podcasts a week, right? That's time that you could be spending like in your own brain or out and creating yourself like as a creator. And so I don't know. I think that like me not listening nearly to as much new, I just don't put inputs, the inputs that I used to put into my brain, like from other people, period, is like very minimal now. 
I would say. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say is uh, I think I think there's still an element of this, but I think it's shifted. Um, you used to sort of always assume things were not going to work out. Like I would yes. call, I would say you were a pessimist. Yes. Right? Um, I, I used to call myself a realist, guys. I was right. like, well, it's not going to work out. So I, like, I pretty much just have to be, I'm going to assume it's not going to work. Like, you know, whether it was assuming you, but, but, but to me, it was so obvious that you were a pessimist because your projections were always so far off in the negative direction from yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. Like you thought you bombed an exam, like your final Always. exam in one of your college courses, yeah. and you got an A on it. Yeah. You thought you bombed a job interview, and you got the job. You know, you thought that something was going to go terribly, and then it turns out it went great, right? So... I feel like that was a very common pattern with you. And then it was always like, oh, oh, so it actually went great. But it's like, yeah, but you had all this anxiety leading up to it that was yeah. just so unnecessary, you know? Um, Wait, can I pause? Yeah. Because I think this is so important for people to hear. I love that you're like, I feel like we're like, I feel a little naked and I love it because I'm so glad that people see that like this is like, this was me and it really was me. I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, like so much can happen when you like start to get coached. So like that, that whole thing, the pattern that I would have of like, okay, I'm just going to assume the worst was basically like, I didn't want to assume that it was going to work out and then potentially be disappointed. And so what my brain then created was like, oh, so like, I will just be disappointed all the time. (laughs) Like I will just live being disappointed rather than assume it will work out and be willing to feel disappointment if I don't, if like, if it doesn't work out, which yeah. I think is like, that's the flip I've made. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds right. Yeah. All right. Were you going to say something else? I totally interrupted you. No, I don't think so. I think those are the main things. Um, the, you know, the, <laughs> I sort of led with the impact it's had on our marriage and then you don't really pay attention to the news anymore and you're much less of a pessimist now. Yeah. I think when I said there's still some of it, I mean, I think I think you are more like what I would describe as a realist now. You know, like sometimes you're you're anxious how something will turn out and you'll sort of say like, I mean, it could, you know, it could be like this or it could be like this and you'll but you'll entertain the possibility that it could go even better than you're expecting, right? Which is something you used to just not even come close to doing. Yeah. Like, it was almost like if I brought it up, you'd be like, shut up. <laughs> you know? If I was like, you might have nailed it. You're like, I didn't. Don't even don't even say that. How you could know? you? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, then there's another question, which is kind of a similar thing. Does my growth keep you on your toes? And how is it inspiring? Does your growth keep me on my toes? Yeah. Um... What does keep you on your toes really mean? Isn't that a weird expression? Guys, this is a philosophy major. You should have been more explicit um, in your question. <laughs> well, I'll, I will say, um, hold on, before I lose my, the thread, what was the second part of the question? How is it inspiring? Oh, how is it inspiring? Oh, it's very inspiring. I mean, um, Catherine is doing what... I think many people are capable of, but you know, the biggest obstacle is fear. Like we were just sort of talking about, you know, fear of disappointment. Um, 
I think many, many people don't do things because they're just a little too nervous that it might not go the way they want. And so in that regard, I think what you're doing is very inspiring. As far as keeping me on my toes, um, you know, we talked earlier about when you were starting your business and I wanted to just be supportive. Um, I definitely will say there, there, I don't remember when it was exactly, but there sort of came a time when it started to become clear to me, like you were going to be successful, right? Maybe you were still just getting your first few clients or something. It was like, no, she's, she's, she's got a, you know, she's got a trajectory. She's improving steadily. And I don't really see any reason for that to stop, which I think, you know, I think I've even, if there's any way, if there's any, you know, role I've played in pushing you, I think one is where you would sort of set these goals and I'm sort of always playfully being like, why not more, you know? You're like, I think I might be here at this time. And I'm like, I think you could be higher than that, you know? Or you're like, I can't imagine going above this. I'm like, you could go 10 times that, you know? Like, to me, I'm just sort of, it feels very straightforward to me now that there's really no real limit to what you're gonna be able to do. Um, And so I guess the reason I brought up earlier on in your business was I don't know that I had this thought really so much explicitly but I I had some vague awareness that right now Catherine kind of needs me because you know because I'm the one you know making all the money right now but it's not going to be this way for very long and so I think if there's one thing that Again, I'm not sure what keeping me on my toes means, but something I'm very just like mindful of is like Catherine's at a point now where she doesn't really need me, (laughs) you know, and, you know, I I sort of need to be prepared for just that shift in kind of dynamic, you know, of like, I mean, I still have a job, you know, I still work, but if it's like, if it's like a matter of putting food on the table or paying for the roof over our heads, you know, we're, we're quickly approaching the point where I don't really need to be working for that to happen. Yeah. Um, do you want to keep working? Yeah. Well, I don't really want to stop working is the way I'd put it. Um, I, I enjoy what I do. I'm not, I'm not passionate about it the same way that you are. So I sort of feel a little bit, you know, I feel like the best way to probably handle it is to view it the way it is, which is there's new opportunities. Like I don't have to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I have some freedom to explore other things, but yeah, I think that's, that's just sort of a brave new world for me, you know, a sort of a different paradigm that I, that will take some getting used to, put it that way. We should get you a coach. Sure. <laughs> Which brings us to the next question. What's it like living full time with a coach? Oh wow. It's really something, you guys. Um Well, it's I mean, I think we've I think we've found kind of our parameters that work for us a kind of un, like not without talking too much about it directly no we can go because the next question is do i get coachy on you oh absolutely <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, where, where I was going with that is, you know, sometimes I'll just be talking, you know, we're just talking about our day, and then I start talking about ah, this one thing that's, you know, kind of a little bit annoying or, you know, has been bothering me, and then Catherine starts asking these questions, and she starts going down this line of thinking, and sometimes I just sort of cut it short, and I'm like, I don't, I don't really want you to coach me right now. <laughs> It's fine, you know. It's not really what I was going for in this but conversation. But sometimes you do want me to coach you. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, and I think to be fair, you know, in our in our everyday lives and in our interactions with friends, sometimes even friends do some like maybe I'd call it like light coaching with each other, right? So it's not like that far out of the ordinary to start asking questions, you know, that cause a person to examine. What are the, what is their thought process? How are they contributing to the things that are bothering them and those kinds of things? But you do sort of switch on, you know, like it's very noticeable to me, <laughs> as it should be. I mean, I've been married to you for over a decade. Um, My coach mode. Yeah, it's a mode for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think sometimes I almost, I, I, it's not even that I don't want it, but I'll just say like you don't have to do this right now. You know, like, you've been, you've been, you've had a long day too. You know, you don't have to, like, do your job with me right now, right? Um, I think it's just, like, my brain is so wired for it. I have to stop myself. And so I feel like I've noticed, like, we've come to a point where, like, I'll start to notice myself go into the mode Mm -hmm. and then I'll, like, pause. And I'm curious if you've noticed, but, like, I'll ask you, like, would you like coaching on this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Um, I think what it is for me, and you know, you you could be right. Maybe I should get a coach uh, to help me with some of these things. But often, I think when I don't really want it, like when you start to go into the mode, and I am like, let's not do this right now. I think normally my reason for feeling that way is that it's like an issue that I feel like I already am going to like solve my own way. You know, versus like if you start if you start asking questions, I might feel like and I might be wrong, of course, I'll acknowledge that. But in my head, I think I'll feel like I already have all this sort of figured out, like all the questions you're going to be asking me. I was just sort of giving you an update and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do all that work that you were going to tell me I need to do, you know. Um, So we don't really need to like do that right now. But it could absolutely be a blind spot for me, you know. I don't know. Um, so yes, she does get coachy on me sometimes. But that's the main way to answer the earlier question of like how, what was the question? Just like how, what is it like living with a coach basically? Yeah. Um, I think that's the main way. Well, <laughs> I think the other main way is, and I don't think this is living with a coach per se. It's living with someone who loves what they do. You talk about your work so much more than you ever did before like Mm -hmm. I think with your past jobs you know it was like a relief to get home I not have to to work anymore right so the idea of I think you would even sort of not not like have a hard and fast rule but you were pretty against talking about work I think at home it really bugged you um where and, and I think I was probably more likely to talk about work than you um, I think that is completely reversed. You know, you talk about work all the time 
And I still sometimes do, but I think more often I don't. So that to me is is something that's been a big change. But like I said, I think it's not like specific to coaching. I think it's the fact that you actually love it. So so that like when the day's over, you're not like drained, you know, from doing this thing that you just had to do to make some money. You like were enjoying it. You're energized by it. Now you want to talk about it some more. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny actually because like we talked a little bit ago about um, how when I first started the business, I was willing to work until like 10 p.m. or whatever. But I guess that was like for a while last year, at least like six months, like when I was with a client. And I feel like there were days like and and before leading up to it, I I think I would do like four back to back client calls in a row. And I would be like, okay, it's like the night and I work until 10. And I would like have to have a talk with myself. But then it would always end and I feel like I would come downstairs and you would look like so tired and it would be like 10 p.m. And I would just be so alive and like so energized because this work just like gives me life. Mm-hmm. Sounds nice. Do what you love. All right. Let's move on to the next section of questions. Okay. How do we handle three kids? uh cheat codes (laughs) yeah i think and i have said this on my instagram before we have an au pair and we have had we've just like she'll be staying with us for another year but this will basically be our fifth year of having an au pair Mm -hmm. and i just want to state for the record that that sounds a great idea (laughs) it's well it is an amazing idea also i highly recommended cultural care au pair if you end up using them you can hit me up on instagram for a referral code (laughs) Probably, I don't know, I think it's like 200 bucks off or whatever. I, I don't know. We could really actually. use the money. <laughs> but um, I think that having an au pair is something that oftentimes people think sounds super fancy. They're like, yeah. oh, you have, you have an au pair. Like, and it is, it kind of sounds like a fancy word. But I will just say that it is like financially like a very good move if you have like many children and i think it's also just like very convenient because we're it's like so much more flexible like the hours that we can have we're able to like take her with us when we travel the kids are able to like they've been able to learn like fluent in spanish like our seven-year-old and our four-year-old are totally fluent in spanish um built-in babysitting yeah like we get date nights once a week you can you can you can actually go on trips and take them, right? Which is not something you would ever do with a nanny or a babysitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, the the one thing you need. To be fair, you need an extra room. Yeah, like a bedroom for them to yep, sleep in. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of joking. So I mean, that is obviously incredibly helpful. But how else do we deal with three kids? Uh, I think that. I think that we just sort of um, try to, as best we can, like trade off, like share responsibility, you know? Um, like one thing we do, uh, we have been doing on weekends, for example, is we'll give each other some focus time or, you know, some like Dan time or Catherine time where I'll take the kids for two, three hours so Catherine can work on stuff she wanted to work on or meditate or just relax you know did, i did an exercise class today right and then she'll do the same and i'll be able to to you know work on my own personal projects um there was a while when i was working on some music you know while yeah. you were with the kids 
So I think that's that's really good. I also think, you know, even before we had an au pair, we were still making it a priority to do date nights. Um, we would get, you know, we would get a babysitter. Um, and I think that continued investment in our relationship has been pretty important. Um, I know, you know, I think growing up, I certainly was this way with my parents and a lot of our friends, I think with their parents, it just sort of was, it was kind of all the same, like parents just sort of lost that connection to each other when they had kids. Yeah. It just became about, you know, dealing with the kids and, and dealing with work and dealing with household issues and never really, you know, whatever brought those two people together sort of just evaporated. Um, and I think that's, I think even though you would think, you know, intuitively that that's unrelated to how you deal with your three kids, I think it is related because, totally. because, you know, just to, just to pick one sort of silly example, like our kids love for us to kiss. They'll like yes. tell us to kiss <laughs> and it, and it brings huge smiles to their faces yeah. And I and I like to think that just there's there's something that is contributing a lot to you know the harmony in our household, the the enjoyment of their childhoods to have that loving relationship sort of in the middle of everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's like they love to see us like when we go on a date night, like mm-hmm. I'll get a little bit dressed up or you know like they're I don't know. So I think it's like a very sweet thing like that I see them sometimes they like play date night now with like their toys. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a very sweet thing to model. Also, I mean, back to the coaching, since this is your podcast, like Violet, our seven-year-old, she she has straight up taken some of Catherine's tools already, (laughs) you know, as a seven-year-old. Yeah. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what her mind is doing or, you know, think through how, how she needs to change her thoughts or work on her thoughts yeah you know yeah we didn't even cover any of that yeah I think it's been it's been so helpful and I would say that like our oldest I would categorize her as highly sensitive and yeah since coming into coaching and learning how to actually manage your brain and to like control like thoughts and all of that like it's been so helpful for her and I would say that like I don't know anxious or I, I don't know like how I would describe like what her disposition like could tend to be but like she could get anxious about like a lot of things and I think that her now like me working with her with these coaching tools it's just been so fun for me to work with her on it with certain things and now I see her ability to self-coach herself at seven years old and yeah. it's just really fun to see like what the impact of that will be as she grows up throughout her life so yeah there we go just, just have your seven-year-old learn to coach themselves. I love it. Um, how has our family and home life changed since me making a lot more money? Um, well, whenever you take the kids to Target, you buy them toys. <laughs> I think I did that anyway. I no? mean, I, I think money is is just not a source of stress at all. Yeah. that's That seems fair to say. I mean... It's sort of it's sort of just stating the obvious. You know, we have a lot more money, so we don't really ever we don't worry about money. We, oh, we used we to, should talk about our date night uh, when we bought the night? wine. Wait, which one? When we went to the um, June's all day. 
Oh, there was like so we we checked in. Oh yeah, yeah and they yeah. like they um didn't have our table ready yet, and they were like, oh, we've got this like DJ thing outside, so like go grab a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And so we like went and ordered a glass of wine and they gave it to us and like dinky a pl- little plastic dinky cups. plastic cups. What was it like forty dollars or something? It was like yeah, something. It was like thirty six dollars <laughs> for maybe. two glasses for of two wine. little plastic cups <laughs> of wine. And I yeah, and um, and I remember just you know getting the two glasses. She she swivels the iPad around or whatever for me to sign and you know swipe my card and uh and then i just handed you the cup and i was like you know there's a time in our lives when that encounter just now would have been incredibly stressful like the idea of of like yeah let's just have a nice you know refreshing glass of wine expecting the total to be you know like 15 dollars or something and then for it to be like three times what i was expecting it to be um I would, I would have, it could have like ruined our whole night, you know, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's a big change. With I mean, my old brain in particular. Yeah. Just, um, I was also thinking about this cause I remember that night, like I actually had this thought that night or was it that night or was our, our date night this week? But like we valeted the car and I think it was like $10 to valet. Mm-hmm. And it, like, I have to catch myself in moments where like, I'm just using my old brain in the way it used to think about money, but I'm just like, Oh, it's fine. Right. Like who cares? Like why would I like drive around the block to look for, it's just $10. And I think the ability to come, at least for me, like coming into entrepreneurship and seeing how, uncapped like it it finances how uncapped like money and income potential is there's just so many little decisions like that whether it's like parking the valet or getting a glass of wine or i don't know i'm trying to think of like little moments that like we don't even worry about all right and we're coming to the last one which i think maybe they were offering us like one but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to give two which was Tell them something surprising slash interesting about me. Mm-hmm. So I would like something surprising and something interesting. So the thing that's surprising doesn't have to be interesting. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Um, hmm. And if I don't like your answer, we'll edit it out and try again. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Well, I think I'll start with interesting, actually, which might be surprising to some people, but probably not very. Um, I think it's interesting that, so as we already discussed, we met in high school. We were in the same English class. Mm -hmm. I knew you as a girl who loved E.E. Cummings, and I felt that you were very creative, very artistic. Um, You were into, like, poetry and... One of your favorite novels was Winter's Tale by Mark Helprin, right? Which is a book that has incredibly just, you know, inventive use of English, right? Um, And then you went, when we went to college, you were looking to, I think, were were you not interested in majoring in English? 
I did major in English. You started and to major in English. I don't even know if I've ever like told the audience this, but like it, I think it was like my junior year of college, but my parents were paying for my college and I came home and there was like a newspaper article and my parents had highlighted this article about how English majors were like driving taxis and couldn't get jobs. Right. And they were like, if we're going to pay for your degree, we want you to do something useful. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like, I, I like it's so good to see that like some of these things that like, really knock you off can you can use them to fuel you they can become the thing that is like your medicine for the world and i think of that as like me thinking i couldn't make money as a writer like that was like a big story i had and i fucking love that like i have an online business that like makes money through my writing now yeah like i talk a lot about how i think that like entrepreneurs are the artists of business and your business is your art And so, I don't know, like maybe people would find it like surprising, but I think that like anyone who tunes into my Instagram stories for like a day and like experience, like the way that I use like music, like the way that I create things, I'm like trying to create like a symphony for people. I am trying to create art for my people like every day. Yeah. Well, I wasn't even going for surprising. I was going for interesting. Oh, okay. And I hadn't even really gotten to the interesting oh, part. I'm sorry. I interrupted him, ladies no, and no, gentlemen. No, no, no. You, you, you kind of covered it. What, what I find, find interesting is that you made that shift to then you went into marketing, right? So yeah. then you got a degree in, in marketing. Did you minor in sociology or you I minored major? in both English and sociology. Okay, I double so you minored. Still, you still held on to those I've, as minors. I've always been a bit of an overachiever. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so so you know, you got this degree in marketing and I think what's interesting to me is 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 that I I feel like you've gone through this, you know, journey of of these were the things that really captured your attention in the beginning then you were very much pushed i think by you know by your parents as well as just societal expectations whatever right to to get into these more businessy sort of fields and you had this whole career you know off of that degree in marketing and then working in tech and sales and tech and and for for you to finally have sort of gotten back to as you put it you know working on this working in this field where what you're doing is you're you're working with entrepreneurs who are the artists of business um you're writing you know you're expressing yourself you're showing a lot more creativity i don't know how much your listeners know that you're into all these sort of like spiritual things too and if you don't want them to know that we can cut that comment no actually that might be like the fun (laughs) surprising thing yeah like what would you share Oh, as far as surprise. Okay, so that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Um, the surprising thing. So maybe people don't know that you're you've gotten quite. You were for most of our relationship. Um, I think you actually described yourself as an atheist for a good while. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or like, I think I like if you, you really challenge it, very, I'd be like, ah, agnostic. I right, don't know. Right. Yeah. But you were you were very uninterested yeah. in anything to do with any sort of religion or spirituality. Um, I don't know if I would like to say in my mind, no, I know what it was. I think, I think when we moved to San Francisco, something started chipping away at that, Mm. whether it was some of the people you hung out with or what. But then I remember that then we made a road trip through, uh, Santa Fe or was it Taos? Taos, Taos oh, New Mexico. Don't get me started. With all and and we went to a crystal store yeah. where you specifically wanted to find oh the crystals that had the best energy. And we were walking around <laughs> yeah. the store and you were saying, "Which one has the best energy?" And I, and I 
And I just looked at you and I was like, what happened to <laughs> Catherine from Philadelphia? Yes! So this is this is this is some San Francisco stuff that's been that's been working its way into you. And so I mean fast forward to now, we have multiple uh, precious stones in our home that are meant to impart various, you know, good mojo and stuff. And you have an altar in our room uh, where you go to meditate and you light candles. So yeah, I don't know if you're, I don't know if your your followers know about all this. Yeah, I mean, I I, think, I would assume some would be surprised to hear about this. Yeah, least. I think it's on my like. I feel like I I would say um, I actually do this very now. It's just full out, but I would call this anyone who's watched me now. You know, I would say this is like a dog whistle thing I do in my marketing. Hmm. And so for anyone who is like not familiar with the term, it's basically that like anyone who gets it, gets it. And to anyone else, it would be like nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like I have intentionally decided that like my spirituality is for me and I don't need it validated. It doesn't need to come into my business as like a primary thing in my business. But I definitely like because it is a part of me, like I will for sure, like I'll have an Insta, like I'll do an Instagram story with like a, I don't know, like I'll show like a certain like thing that we've just started hanging like right outside of our door. Or, like, I don't know, I'll have like little, I don't know, like crystals or like small things that to someone that is spiritual, it's almost like an indicator. And they're like, oh, okay, like Catherine is spiritual. And I think to anyone who is not spiritual, it's almost like their eyes wouldn't even see it. Yeah, just decoration, just sort of. So yeah, I think that that might be kind of fun to know because I 100% am very intentional about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, you guys, that is the end of the questions that you guys submitted on Instagram. So we are gonna pop in now that beginning segment I told you about in the beginning where we just are gonna talk for a while now about our relationship and I don't know, funny stories. So if you'd like to keep listening, and if not, that's not your jam, totally get it. Just pause it, exit out, and I'll see you next week for the next episode. Hey guys, if you are hanging out with me on my Instagram stories, you know what this is about. But uh, I basically, with everything happening with the launch last week, I realized on Friday that I did not have a podcast episode planned for this coming Tuesday. So it's now Halloween. We've just put the kids to bed. And I decided that what we're doing this week is we're gonna have my husband on to answer some questions. So I threw up on Instagram, you guys had a bunch of questions for him. And so today I would like everyone to meet the great Dan Tao. Hello everyone. <laughs> Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I am from Pennsylvania originally, son of a Chinese, uh, full Chinese man and a white American woman. Uh, well, we grew up in the same town, Westchester, Pennsylvania, which mm -hmm. is a suburb uh, outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I went to school at Duke University, got a degree in philosophy. Uh, very, very useful. Yep. Uh, it has been, it has served me in so many ways. I actually think it has. It we has. could talk about it a little bit later, yeah. but yeah. And uh, 
I don't know, I'm fast forwarding because I don't want to give too long of a preamble. We are now married, we have three kids. I work as a software engineering manager. And uh, yeah, that brings us to the present day. Here we are. Here we are. Now we have three kids that all wore really cute Halloween costumes today. So, you guys threw up a bunch of questions. And we're just, actually, you know, I think before we dive into the questions, maybe we should tell people a little bit about us. Sure. So as Dan mentioned, we both grew up in the Westchester area and we went to high school together. Mm-hmm. We actually even went to middle school together, but I don't remember you from middle school, but we did go to the same middle school. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I, th- I think it was the kind of thing that like, probably when we first got married, people were like, I don't know about that. But now it's been long enough. People are like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's the, right. High school. <laughs> no, it, it, it's true. I think whenever people ask how how we met and we say high school, there's always a bit of, oh, you know, like those typically don't work out so great. Um, I almost I almost feel sort of like vindicated to be like, well, we have three kids. I mean, you know, we've made it this far. It's working out okay. We've All been right. married over 10 years. But I guess we didn't date in high school. That's right. Yeah. We started dating junior of college. Uh, he yeah. tricked me. Yeah. We could start there. With me tricking you? That's right. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, what Catherine is referring to is there was a... I, I was in one of those relationships where on Facebook it would be It's Complicated with a girl at my college. And I don't remember to what degree I straight up embellished the reality versus how much I just allowed Catherine to sort of jumped to conclusions and didn't correct her. But Catherine was very much under the impression this was my girlfriend, who this this woman, she would have been pretty surprised to hear that she was my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that, uh, wh- well, what happened was I think you got very jealous and you decided that, you know, before things got, you know, any further with this other woman, you pretty much made an ultimatum and said, you know, you have to break things off there and then and then you and I, you know, I will date you. But um Did that is that really how it happened? Yeah, an pretty ultimatum? much, pretty much. Well, it was like uh I sort of picture you sort of dropping the gauntlet, you know, sort of being like this is an opportunity for you right now because The way you had been, the stance you had taken for a while, we both had, you know, knew that we had feelings for each other. Yeah. But you had said, oh, I can't do a long distance relationship. Yes. You know, I think that's backstory that would be important, which is like, I think that it was like, we were really good friends in high school and I knew that I wanted to marry you eventually, but we ended up, I was in college in Philadelphia, you were down in Durham and it just didn't seem... Like it was going to, yeah, I just wasn't ready for a long distance. So I was sort of like, you know, I'm just going to date some other guys. I'm going to do some things. And then after mm-hmm. college, I'm going to marry Dan Tao. Like that and was- of course, you dating other guys is <laughs> totally fine. No problem at all. But the moment there's the slightest, uh, you know, whiff of me being in a relationship, got to put a stop to that immediately. So I put a stop to it. Uh-huh. I came, I went on a train. I remember I like took a train from Philadelphia down to visit you in Durham. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that's how I, 
allegedly tricked you. <laughs> I will say she was. I did. I mean, it, it, she wasn't my girlfriend, so there was nothing. There was no <laughs> nothing to break up. But she was pretty upset when she found out that you and I were dating. So it was not a complete fabrication. There was there was something there, and there were some feelings hurt. Yeah. Um, which I feel a little bit bad about. But uh, so that's how we started dating. But as Catherine said, we'd been, you know, we'd been good friends and very close for a while. Yeah. Um, where were you going to go from there? I don't know. I just thought it would be fun for people to hear that, like, that's how, how we met, how we got together. And yeah, I guess then from there, I think, oh, this is kind of another fun story, which is that we... So after college, we decided Dan was a really good sport. I had decided I wanted to go to Namibia to teach for a year. And you were totally down to like go. Yeah, I remember. Well, there's this is kind of a theme in our relationship of me agreeing to things <laughs> that are kind of far off. <laughs> and so I sort of feel like I don't even have to deal with the ramifications of this agreement for a while. Um because I think you broached the topic, you know, well before we had graduated. I think you said, like, I want to go, I want to join this program, World Teach. It would be, you know, we would go to Namibia for a year, we would teach, we'd, you know, um, we'd live, you know, in a village. And I was sort of just like, sure. Um, I don't, I, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I probably at the time thought there was a good chance that it was just a passing thought that you had that that it wouldn't actually happen <laughs> that you weren't you know? gonna end up in a small village in africa for a year <laughs> yeah well i mean <laughs> i don't think that i thought it was impossible but yeah. i just think that i felt that it was just a possibility not yeah. a not a certainty and then uh you know when we did graduate and you sort of brought it up again like so let's do that thing that we agreed we we're gonna do that's when i found myself saying oh wow this is really <laughs> This is really happening, okay. <laughs> and it's so funny. You guys don't know Dan, so you can't like appreciate this. But Dan is one of the calmest people, most grounded people you could ever know. And when we went to Namibia, it's so funny because I think it was the first time, first and only time probably in our entire relationship where I just saw you get so angry and I was super chill, mm -hmm. which was like, we were supposed to live in a house with running water and what would you say? Like, I would say at least half the time, 70%, like a lot. Of I would say 50%. Yeah, yeah, at least half the time, the water, we did not have running water. We were supposed to have running water. Yeah, it just broke a lot. Yeah, and which, yeah, of course. <laughs> but I just remember, I guess I'm more okay with being dirty than mm -hmm. you are. And it was well, like, you I, would was get I really, so mad. Was I really so mad? I I think I think For I you. was I think I was irritable yeah. and it was very noticeable I I'm sure. Um I think what it was I mean definitely I I don't like having, you know, dirty hands or especially like greasy mm -hmm. or sticky, you know? Um and I think, you know, because of where we were living, there were just whether it was uh, dealing with kind of old, you know, being in an old house, going to school, going to work at a at a school where the facilities were pretty old. There just were a lot of reasons that my hands would get dirty, <laughs> and um, and I think what what 
I think I could have dealt with it if it was like the water doesn't work on Sundays and Wednesdays. Yeah, you know, it was the unpredictability yeah, of it, yeah. and 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 we didn't know how long. Like right. we would go weeks sometimes without it coming back on. There would be you you know I, I sort of remember experiences like. You know, I'm going to go cook dinner. Okay, you walk to the sink, you start filling the pot, and then the stream just sort of disappears, and you're like, well, all right, I guess I'm not going to cook some pasta. Um, and, uh, And there was that, and I think the other thing, this is the thing that I think probably set me off the most, was when the water would be broken, maybe it had been broken for a few days, but we had a trip planned. And so in my mind, it would be like, well, okay, we're gonna go on this trip. By the time we come back, the water will be working. And then we'd come back, and it was just that feeling of, is it gonna work when I turn on the sink? And you walk into the kitchen and you turn it on and it's not working still. And you're just like, come on, it's been a week, you know, or whatever it might have been. I think there was a period when it was broken for many weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. straight. Yeah. Um, because like a pipe burst under yeah. under an Oshana, which is a which is a temporary lake yeah. from the rainy season. There's so many. I mean, we could we could probably spend a whole hour just talking about that experience. Like when we drove, there was one time we had to drive. So the nearest grocery store was what, like 45 minutes away. Yeah. So we would have to get into. I guess you what, a combi, a truck, yeah, a a truck, combi, basically yeah. every week to go to the grocery store to get food. And during the rainy season, there, these Oshanas form, which are basically like lakes. And there was this day that we got into the truck to go into the town, and the dude literally just drove straight into the water, straight into the water, yeah. like like to the point where the water was like a, it was like surrounding us, and I I didn't know that was going to happen, and I was in the car just like are we about to die (laughs) well we could swim but anyway like we made it so anyway okay now we're getting a little off track but now you now you know some some tales some tales into our our adventure and uh led us up to so then we came back in the great recession Mm mm-hmm lived in philadelphia for a little bit then we moved out to san francisco for you to go to grad school Mm mm-hmm studied engineering, worked in tech out there. And then we were both in tech. And I don't know if you guys heard, San Francisco a little pricey. And so we just decided, you know, where where do we want to move to? At the time, I was still an employee. And I thought, like, we would both just continue working in tech. And so I think we were choosing between Seattle, Austin. I think we talked about maybe Denver, Boulder. And then yeah. we just decided Austin. It was Austin. a pretty short list. Yeah. So anyway... Our Have daughter some. had just been born, and um, and I was working at Google at the time in Mountain View, so I was taking the shuttle like an hour and a half mm-hmm. each way, and um, yeah, and we were living in a neighborhood that was a little bit grimy. Um, well, we for, loved it for any for any people who live in San Francisco. Mission, we yeah. we lived basically next to the Twenty Fourth Street Bart. Right. So. <laughs> So lots of lots of homeless people, lots of just trash and stuff around. I mean, I think the, we loved the neighborhood because of you know it it had a ton of character and and I think the culture there was very rich. Um, I, but, I feel like we should pause because people who have not been just heard you say that we basically lived like with homeless people and trash, but we loved it and it had a lot of characters. Well, there were think, amazing. No, there were I, amazing things there too. I know. But- 
we didn't tell that part. So for people, it's not important. so for people who haven't lived there, is I actually think it's very interesting because like what I found was like on Mission Street was still like just a lot of like taquerias, like dollar stores, like I don't know, just sort of whatever. Yeah, grocery like Gro- Mexican yeah. grocery stores, and um, a lot of just local, you know, businesses that all had a lot of charm and a lot of character. Yeah, but then like one street over on Valencia, and I guess we haven't lived there for five years, so like maybe some things have changed, but it was just so amazing that like on Mission, it was like this one type of character of the neighborhood, and then one street over was like really amazing artisan bakeries, and I don't know, I can't remember, was there, if there was a Michelin star place, but yeah, like higher end. High end restaurants, bars, coffee shops. Yeah. But anyway, so yes, there were homeless people and trash, but it was a very lovely place. I did love living there. Well, I don't think anyone thought that we were just (laughs) living in trash. (laughs) But yes, good to clarify. Anyway, but there was, but there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, you know, um, litter, let's call it. And it just wasn't, it wasn't the cleanest place. And, um, you know, I think those two things, the the fact that we had, we were starting to grow a family mm-hmm. and we wanted to go somewhere. Um, there were cultural reasons too, I think, you know, obsession with sort of like startups and all the, that kind of sort of monoculture that started yeah. to exist in San Francisco by the time we left. I think we were also both a little tired of that. Yeah. And wanted to go somewhere else, so... Yeah, I think it's interesting. I've like talked to my friends in San Francisco like since coming here. And I think one of the things that's interesting is that like San Francisco is very like different in terms of like the racial composition. But I think the the thinking, at least of like the people that we surrounded ourselves with, it was always kind of like, what part of tech do you work in? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it's just been interesting, like now living in Austin, which I think is like so much more homogenous in so many ways like that if you were to just like look at appearances of things but i've just found it like very interesting to meet people who just there's a, i think there's a lot more diversity of thought i would say from my experience yeah well i think when we moved here i think it's changed a lot even since we've moved here because i remember moving here and hearing you know it's a very very white city which statistically i'm not sure what the numbers are um it certainly was our experience when we first moved here compared to San Francisco, no doubt, but um, it feels to me like it's become a lot more diverse since we've even moved here, which probably would be consistent with just the fact that, you know, I understand the city's seen huge amounts of of uh, people migrating here, right, yeah. from elsewhere in the country, so. Yeah. Well. Might be more diverse even racially now than it used to be. Yeah. Anyways, so that's that's basically like us from the time we met until now. And I guess in the last, I guess it's been less than two years, but a little less than two years ago, I started a business. Just two years. Wow. How time flies. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Those are all the questions that you guys asked up in the gram. I hope you have enjoyed meeting Dan Tao, my husband. He's pretty cool. I would say, like, where can people even find you? But, like, you're not really on social media. No, not really. Yeah, you can't find him, guys. (laughs) 
You can find him in my Instagram stories. You can find me at my blog, The Philosopher Developer. Oh, yeah. If anyone's into uh, software That's right. or philosophy, you can find him at his blog. It's at www.philosopherdeveloper.com. Perfect. All right. For all the software and philosophy people in my audience. That's right. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me, Catherine. I hope everyone enjoyed meeting Dan. Bye.